Hello, everybody. Welcome to these present days podcasts out of the unusual place. Let me open in prayer and let's get right to it. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving all of us your words that mean so much in the moment, every moment by moment that we're living, moving forward toward your return. Thank you for equipping us. Thank you for preparing us. Thank you for strengthening us. Thank you for giving us wisdom and knowledge and understanding of things. Thank you, Lord God, for shielding and protecting us and covering us with your precious blood. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for leading and guiding us by the heart. Every step of the way, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hmm. Well, the title of this podcast is, Can't Help Myself. Can't Help Myself. You ever heard anybody say that? I can't help myself. Well, you know, there's an old saying in church circles. I grew up in the church since I was five years old. I think I've heard them all. One of the sayings is, sinners sin by nature, Christians sin by choice. What do you think is worse? I think, I think it's worse if you sin by choice. And sinners can't help themselves, and we condemn them. You know, it's kind of like beating a dog for being a dog. You don't want to beat a dog for being himself. Dang. But we had Christians and religiosity and, you know, all kinds of rituals and stuff that we have interjected into our faith and into the lives of people that believe in God and, and all those kind of things. And even stuff like God only helps those that help themselves. So you got to do something. You got to help God. God needs help. God helps those that help themselves. Really? Really? Did he need any help in creation? Did he need any help in raising Jesus from the dead? Did he get any help from you guys? No, I don't think he got any help from me. Anyway, so, can't help myself is sometimes using a cop-out as an excuse, you know, like, I can't help myself. I just can't help myself. You know, I don't have no coordination. I'm a spasticated person. I can't help myself. You know, we laugh at it and stuff like this. And it's true to a great extent, you know, because when we say sinners can't help themselves, they honestly can't help themselves. But it's amazing that they have so much that they put into trying to help themselves and failing to help themselves and knowing after trial and error for 6,000 years of recorded history, self-help books, selfies, you know, just these self-helping um, gurus, trainers, and stuff like this. And you know what? There is no way that we can ever apply any lasting help ourselves to ourselves, or another human that's broken himself or herself, to another human that's broken. And I think you know what I'm saying. And we say people without God, they sin because they can't help themselves. That's true. Followers of God sin because they choose to help themselves. What? Yeah, we have it worse. The onus is on Christians who choose to help themselves to this and help themselves to that. And I'll have some of this and I'll have some of that. And to mix things and, and add things to their Christianity, to their God relationship, you know, to their God fellowship, you know, to their God friendship, if they even have one. Because by the time you have all these help yourself, help yourself, you know, and you're thinking that you're doing God a favor 
because God's so tired and so old and he's getting wore out, and you're going to help him out by fixing and helping yourself. Then he should have stayed home. He shouldn't have come down in the form of his son Jesus and died on a cross and got totally disrespected and was handled by corrupt and filthy people that hated on him, and the demons embraced him for three days and three nights in hell. Uh, what was all that about if we can fix ourselves? Mm, we got to rethink it. You say, think about it for a moment now. What is at the very core of every sin? Whether it's abuse of yourself on drugs, alcohol, sex, opioids, or abuse of others like physical, verbal, emotional, torture. Sin happens when we take action to help ourselves to something. You see, even sinners, they can't help themselves, but they keep doing it. They keep helping themselves to the sin that comes by nature to them. And so it's a play on words, people. It's they keep helping themselves to something that their instincts are screaming at and telling them they can't stop themselves. They're going to go for it. They're going to they're do it anyway. And so they're getting better and better. I mean, if there was a professional sinner's union, I mean, they'd probably be packed full of people. And they'd be getting union benefits, maybe. You see, even when we help ourselves to gossip, or to slander, or to a good time, or to a way to heal ourselves, like self-help, or stop the pain. No matter what sin we are talking about, specifically, it is being done to help ourselves, to help ourselves to others, to help ourselves to things that don't belong to us. Hmm. Things that don't belong to us. Because you see, in the Bible, it talks about God sending Jesus to take our sin, sickness, and disease through the stripes on his back on the cross to remove death, sin, sickness, disease, remove all of that from the equation of mankind to save man from his sins, to save man by changing his nature down deep inside. And so when Christians sin, they can't cop out that I'm sinning by nature, I can't help myself. No, you're in a place where you can really help yourself. You can help yourself to more of God. You can help yourself to more of the Holy Spirit. You can help yourself to more of Jesus. But you refuse to. You refuse to, to reach out for help. And God would give you the grace to stop going the way of the sinner that you were before you got saved. So what good does your salvation? Is it just fire insurance? You know, at the end of, the, of your time, you're not going to go to hell. You're going to go to heaven. you got fire insurance. No. You see, we got to go back to the beginning. Beginning of Adam and Eve. Adam was created before Eve. Eve came out of his sight. In chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, I'm going to read from the New King James. And I'm going to give you a couple of verses. And I'm not going to go into verses 18, 19, 20, because that's when God decided man doesn't need to be alone. I mean, toward the end of the chapter, he really puts together um, a helpmate for Adam called Eve. And he brings her to Adam, and Ab Adam was excited. You know, his wife was naked. He's naked. He's ready to go. He wants. He gets a command from God to procreate, you know, get busy. And he, you don't have to ask him twice. That's like going down there and asking the pig to get in the mud. I mean, he's going to go for it. So what we have in the breakdown is a lack of communication. In verses 15 through 17, we're looking at New King James. Then the Lord God took man 
took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die, or dying you shall die, or dying spiritually you'll die physically. And so God, God warned man, you know, but Eve is not there yet. You read on down in chapter 2, Eve is finally created. And then we get into chapter 3 of the book of Genesis. Let's look at that. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent, this is right after Adam was introduced to his wife and God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Next, it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Well, we just got through reading it. He didn't say that. He said, you shall eat of the trees of the garden, but not of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can go back and check if you want. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it. Stop right there. She has it completely accurate right there. But then she added something. I don't know where she got it from Adam or herself. She's kind of like looking it over and telling herself in her head, you, shall, you don't get close to that, don't touch it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. You see, anytime you add something to or take something away from the Word of God, you weaken it. You can't make a stand on it anymore. You weaken it. It's not pure. It's like taking gold and mixing it with dirt. And you mix it, and it's a beautiful color dirt. Beautiful, there's dirt marbled into it. You know, but it's going to break real easy. You weaken it because you hybridized it. You can't hybridize God's Word like that. And so he said, or so she said back to him, you can't eat of it or touch it lest you die. Well, what is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is God, God's private reserve. God reserved it for himself to determine what the reference points for mankind living his life on the planet would look like because God himself, the creator, has the rights it's creator rights to determine the parameters of man's life. He doesn't want to hem, he doesn't want to hem him in too bad. He wants him to run free and, and be loose and enjoy everything. But he's got to put some limits on him, his mankind. Not because he's full of sin. He's not full of sin yet. He hasn't sinned at all yet. You know, but limits so that he doesn't go to excess. Because you can do too much of a good thing and that would be excess. And so what we have is God's telling the man that I am in charge of the knowledge of good in you. I am in charge of what is determined to be good for you and evil for you. Because I made you, I know what you need. So don't you take it upon yourself, because you'll mess it up and you'll die. And by dying, he's not talking about dead and gone and out of here. He's talking about separated, cut off, and disconnected from life. And that's God. You're going to lose your relationship with God. If you, if you take that upon yourself, you're going to butt me out of the picture. You're going to butt me out of the picture, and you're going to take over for yourself to determine what's good and what's bad for you. And that's what Eve decided to do eventually. It says in verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You'll not surely die. He's half right. You don't die from touching it. God never said that. 
For God knows that in the, see, the devil's going to use half-truths. Half-truths are, are lies. You know that, don't you? Just a half of a truth is a lie because it's not complete. It doesn't have the full context. And so he says, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So he wants you to stay away. Don't touch it. You're right, Eve. Don't touch it. Eve was wrong. She was dead wrong. The serpent didn't tell her that. The serpent is a liar, and he's a deceiver, and he's a thief. But he didn't even come up with that. Adam did. Adam came up with that. I'm pretty sure that Adam didn't want her getting close to the tree. I'm pretty sure that Adam didn't want to lose paradise. I'm pretty sure Adam wanted to keep his relationship with God intact. And so the devil starts tempting the woman. It says, for God knows that in the day you eat of the tree, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. He's right in a sense. You're going to be like God in having control over good and evil. In other words, God once had it. You took it away from him. You disrespected him by taking it away and saying, you're going to determine good and evil. And that's what happened to mankind. You see the funky chicken laws we have in the land right now? You see where perversion is celebrated a lot? You see where laws that used to protect people's liberties and, 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 and justice, you know, used to be a blind lady with a scale in her hand? And now there's a bunch of different tiers of justice. If you got more money, there's more for the rich and less for the poor, and all these kind of things. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of things that are, we cannot live by the world's standards. They're shifting like sand like sand in the Sahara Desert during a typhoon season. They're shifting. we got to live by something that's fixed. And Jesus said, I'm the, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the living, speaking Word of God. And God's Word will abide forever. The grass of the field will be thrown into the fire and burned. Everything will, will perish, but God's Word remains forever. Well, that's the standard of life for us. It's supposed to be. And if you know Jesus... And if we're trying to live by, not the commandments, but by the one commandment, singular, love. All the other commandments were based on love, and they got boiled down and put in a homeopathic form by Jesus to where reduction made it more powerful. He reduced the 613 dietary and hygiene laws and the Ten Commandments down to one law. Love the Lord your God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he got an addendum, and your neighbor is yourself. That's it. That's it. You're not going to kill him if you love him. You're not going to steal from him. You're not going to take his wife away. If you love him, if you love your neighbor, it fulfills the whole law right there. And so when mankind takes over that, pushes God off the throne, and then we start making it up as we go, we have elected officials, appointed officials, and they got these high positions and they rule over the other people. And so they determine where all the gold that they collect in the tax season goes and they determine how they're going to spend it and what kind of laws they're going to write into law. And, they, and, and the people vote and the people have a certain say. You have a certain say, you know, like 5%. You know, they take the other 95% and they twist your, you know, you putting them in Washington, you putting them, you know, into politics. They twist it for their own benefit in most cases. Most cases, there's still some good people. Most cases. But you see, this all came from the Garden of Eden. This all came out of the Garden of Eden. And so mankind, given a chance, he's going to help himself. He's going to help himself to the cookies. He's going to help himself to the goods. 
He's going to look out for number one, man. He is number one in his book because he's a fallen creature. And even some good Christian men and women that have their little plastic crosses and, and, and crucifixes and statues of Jesus on the dashboard and stuff, even Christian people, quote unquote, are going to help themselves invariably. Yep. So, the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. God knows it. And the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. They already were like God, but she was ignorant. Christian, Christian people out there, listen to me. You already have everything you need, but the devil tempts you to go after stuff and get it illicitly. But you have all things. Jesus got all things for everyone that follows him. We're not short on anything. We're complete in him. And we know good and evil only by what God tells us. And we kept it that way if we're smart. If we're smart, we don't help ourselves, you know, to do whatever we funky chicken want to do. We let God lead. We let God take the, 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 the role that he is destined to. And so he commanded Adam and Eve. He told them both not at the same time. He depended on Adam to fill Eve in on what has happened when she wasn't even created yet. And so that's why I say that Adam most likely passed it along to Eve and added a little bit of something, something. And so she went ahead and helped herself because she wanted to be like God. She bought the lie of the devil. She helped herself into the knowledge of good and evil. And she thought it was okay. And she gave it to Adam and he thought it was okay too. And they lost paradise. Mankind fell into the perverted nature of sin where people are still trying to make a go of helping themselves. They haven't stopped since. This is what led to the fall. This is what led to the evacuation and eviction from Eden. They help themselves. You see, when you help yourself, you're negating the cross, the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. You're negating that. You're putting yourself in the throne of God. You're determining to be God. Like you're, you're, you're all of our society. You know that little phrase was not in the Bible, God helps those that help themselves? That's not in the Bible. That is such a detrimental, a toxic, poisonous scripture because it encourages people to think that it might be, it's such a pithy saying that it might be a biblical saying. You know, God helps those that help themselves. And so, honey, we got to help ourselves. And we keep going along just like Eve, helping ourselves, helping yourself to that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, helping yourself to this, helping yourself to that. Mm. You see, we've got self-help this, self-help that, along with selfies, do-it-yourself, including that slogan, God helps those who help themselves. Nonsense. God helps those who can't help themselves. That's the whole premise. When we try to help ourselves, we get in God's way. You put your big fat butt in God's way and he stands aside. Look, 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 I look at it like this. I'm going to put it like in a human analogy. If God is a, you know, is a human, he's down to a human level. He's as big as the whole universe if he wants to be. He's almighty, not half mighty. When we Find it in Scripture that God promises this, promises that. We step out in faith and ask Him to do this for us, please, please, because we can't help ourselves. But then, 
after we pray and ask him for this, we get impatient. We go to the medicine cabinet. We start taking the pills. We get another prescription. We go to the doctor, get a checkup. We start trying to get some help elsewhere. And we're getting in God's way. Because he says in the Bible, I'm your physician. I remove sickness from the midst of you, blessing your bread and water. And so I put it like this. When we get busy, God stands still. When we get in God's way, he takes a seat and just watches us. And he'll probably ask the question sooner or later. If you listen close enough, you'll hear it. He'll say something like, how's that working out for you? Listen, God is a miracle-working God. God is a supernatural being. We worship a supernatural being. He's almighty, all-powerful. We are supernatural beings. We are spirit beings on the inside of this earth suit. And that's what God saved. That's where my connection with God is. And when my physical body is going through something or my mental body is going through something, I can go the way of man. I can do that. I can try to you know, do a little mixing this, making a little bit of God. God can work through nurses and doctors. God can work through pharmacists and, and people putting the medicine together for me. God can work through all this. Ask God to bless it to your body. You know, all that kind of thing. But the highest and the best is to get out of God's way and let him be your physician. Let him be your financier. Let him be your strengthener. Counselor, advocate, intercessors, standby. God helps those that can't help themselves. And we got to recognize sooner or later that we can't help ourselves. As a Christian, we start beating our chest like Tarzan, thinking I got a couple of scriptures and I got some faith and I'm going to rub them together and get some magic. Well, I want to tell you about Jesus. He did a lot of miracles. He, he showed a lot of magic. He said, the works that I do shall you do and greater because I'm going to my Father and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Holy Spirit came to us. Holy Spirit's come inside of us, turned us into a new creation. Holy Spirit fills us up with His presence and His essence. The Father and the Son, the whole Godhead is within us. And we should be living a supernatural life. We should be living a supernatural life. Not when we get to heaven. We'll have that. It'll be a, a no-brainer. It'll be a slam dunk. It's over. We're in heaven, glorified bodies and everything. But down here, we need to get out of God's way. We need to realize, like Jesus, I'm going to quote Jesus, one of his famous scriptures that most people don't even know he said. He said this in John 5, I of my own self can do nothing. What? Did Jesus need some help? Yes! The Bible says in, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, that's speaking of his humanity, how God anointed, you see, if he's in his human form, he needs to be anointed. Anointed means God added his, added his presence to Jesus' humanity. God added his presence to Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Well, if he was God, what did he need God to be with him for? Because he came and acted out his humanity before he went to the cross, living as a human without sin to be the prototype. He is the test case, and the test worked. It passed with flying colors. And so he took upon himself sin 
At the end of his mission, hanging on the cross, his father pronounced the sins of the nation upon him. He absorbed them and took them into his death, and he couldn't die any other way. He had a sinless body, and he took them to his death, to the grave, to hell, and broke hell wide open, conquered hell, death, and the grave, defeated the devil who's eternally defeated right now, went up into heaven and cleansed the heavenly utensils with his own blood, came back down and spent another 40 days with his disciples and other people walking the earth, showing them this glorified body, walking through the walls and the doors were shut and stuff like this. I'm talking about Jesus that we worship, Jesus that we're supposed to emulate. Now, I'm not talking about all of us walking through walls and walking on Wawa, but I'm talking about this. All of us, if Jesus can say, I can't do nothing of my own strength, I can do nothing of myself, of my own experience, of my own education, of my own training, of my own certification. No! You've got to admit it before you'll ever get it. You've got to admit it. And he said this, I only say what I hear my father say. Where are you getting that, Jesus? Inside. Inside his heart. His father says something and he says something and people go their way. And sometimes lives are saved, like the woman caught in the act of adultery. He got up and said exactly what God told him to say. He who, who is without sin cast the first stone, and every single stoner went away. And she was let free and forgiven, and her life was saved. So, the premise of the audacity of Jesus putting us on the spot like this saying he could have his own self could do nothing, we better come to grips with that right now. We can't do anything. You can't eat no magic apples you know, to be like God and to do without God and push God out of the picture, out of the picture frame and take over your own life personally. No. Jesus, the Son of the living God, deferred everything to God because he knew this is man's condition without even having any sin. This is the way Adam was. Adam could have said that statement. Jesus is actually called in the Bible the second Adam or the last Adam. Well, who's the first one? The guy back in Genesis. And he could have said that. I of my own self can do nothing. He needed God's help, but he didn't accept it when he was tempted and his wife was tempted right there with the serpent. He took and he ate and he died spiritually with her. God the Father came looking for him in the cool of the day like he always did. He walked with him and talked to him. And he, he tried to help him. He said, Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Playing hide and seek, Adam. Well, God could see right through rocks. He knows where Adam is. He's looking right at him. He wasn't talking about where he is physically. He's talking about where he is spiritually. And all Adam had to do is identify it. And so God had to go a step further. He wouldn't answer him. He said, where are you? Did you eat of the tree I told you not to eat of? And of course God knows that already. He's watching the whole thing. And he's disappointed because this is exactly what he warned him against. But God had to let it play out because God needs a human being to prototype the whole human race that has a free choice and will. He's a free moral agent to choose for himself. And so Adam finally answered God, but he answered God in a corrupt way. He said, the woman that you gave me, she handed me the fruit and I ate it. In other words, he's blaming God and the woman. 
And he's that's not working for him. How's that working? That not working for him at all. <clears throat> you see, he's still trying to help himself. The more we try to help ourselves, the more we get messed up. See, sinners are going to sin because they really can't help themselves. They really can't. They can't even, though they try. They make a mess out of it. Everything they touch without God is a mess. So they really can't. They mean it when they can't help themselves sin. They mean it when, because we know that they're born into it just like we were. And then we got born again out of it. And so now we make choices. They make choices too, but we make choices based on our new nature, hopefully. They make choices based on their old nature because they can't help it. They don't have a new nature. They don't have another nature to choose from. And so they make those choices. And so what do we get out of this? What do we get out of this? We must get this right with God. If we want to live the best existence ever, just stay out of his way. Just stay out of his way. Let God be God and you're not. And what he tells you to do, do that. Like Jesus said when his mother came and said, they ran out of wine. They're looking for some wine. They don't have any more wine. The wedding feast is dead without wine. He says, mother, what do I got to do with you? Or he actually said, woman, what do I got to do with you? And so he went ahead because that's his mother. He had them fill up some water pots. And he told these people to fill up the water pots. They filled up the water pots, the big, huge water pots that they washed their bodies in, all the way up to their armpits. And he put water in there, had them put water in there. And he said, go take and pour that out to the captain of the feast, the chief of the feast. And they looked at him puzzled, and his mother said, do what he said. And she knew him well enough. And as they did that, the best wine they ever tasted came out of those big, giant vessels. But there's a statement, do whatever he says and get out of his way. Get out of his way. When we're still bending over, you know, like a woman that's cleaning the floor, and you want to help her clean the floor, and she's a, a, an old cleaning woman. She's got knee pads on. She's working and sweating, and her sweat's being marbled in with the wax. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't. It puts a sheen on it and everything. And you want to get there and help, and you bend over, put your butt in her head, and knock her off of her, off of her kneecaps, you know, and, and get in her way trying to help. You do. She would do a whole lot better if you just get out of the way. You see, it is all sin, and it is simply. All the same, same, but different. Even when we help ourselves to become the answer for someone else. All of it is our attempt at playing God while leaving God conveniently out of the equation. And maybe in order to justify it, we slap his name all over it and pretend that he is the one we turn to when things get tough. But in reality, if we were really honest, we know that it's been us helping ourselves the whole time and putting Jesus's sticker on it. And so we're not going to get any lasting results. We might get temporary. We might get a Band-Aid. But you're not going to get lasting help. <clears throat> get out of God's way. What does that mean? What does that look like? How does that translate? I don't know. It's going to be person to person. And situation to situation. And substance to substance. What do you, what do you need? Healing? Money? Comfort? Peace? What do you need? Protection? What do you need? Maybe the answer is as simple as stop 
helping ourselves and allow God to help us this time and every time hereafter. You see, here's a news clipping from October 2022, uh, this month, uh, going in this weekend. This is the first week of October. A story in Vogue magazine titled, This Girl's Life on Growing Up Transgender in Texas, or Trans in Texas. It focuses on 11-year-old Kai Shapley, who began transitioning from boy to girl at the wise old age of four. Four years old. The struggles, the determination, the grit, and the beauty of becoming one of the first transgender children spotlighted in the U.S. We are alive during a time right now when helping ourselves to our own pathways is not only the norm, it is expected. We guard the rights of children to choose their gender, their identity, because they see it somewhere or heard it in classrooms and teachers under the radar from their parents are putting these bugs in their ears. How do we have children calling the shots about their gender identity at the age of four, man? Only a society that thinks it knows better. Better than what or who, ultimately, that knows better than God. But they don't. The suicide rate among transgenders is higher than any other identifiable group in the world. Because they get screwed up, they get mixed up, they're messed up inside. <laughs> the concept of God has been so misinterpreted over the decades that has led us to all, that us all, people especially in the church, to where we are now. People who don't believe in the existence of God, who believe that they themselves are in fact their own God, who believe that we have the power to choose better than our God-given or God-made original form, who have no need for a moral compass because they're making it up as they go. Our society is disassociated with all that was once held in high esteem. We know better. End of story. That's what you get when you take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know better. End of story. Or is it the beginning of the end? When we help ourselves, we leave little to no room for God's help. We get in his way. We block his way. God sits down. God's polite. He's not going to kick us to the floor and take over because Father knows best. No. God is going to let you make those choices. Choose wisely. Beginning with Eve and ending with all of us. It's the same old thing. We can do it. We help ourselves to just fill in the blanks. Get ahead in life. Get rich. Big life decisions like marriage. Knowing we can just get divorced and try it again and again, etc. Or a career. We could choose this career instead of a calling. Health, by the way, of big pharma. That's our choices. We can fill in the blank. We can help ourselves with those choices. And it comes back around to natural ways versus supernatural ways. Man's ways versus God's ways. What would you prefer? God has shown how willing and able he will provide for us. He shows that. He's proven that. 
He's, it's written about and is lived out in the real world by people over 6,000 years now. Mm. 6,000 years. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, it tells us who believe in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, and the God behind Proverbs, chapter 3, it tells us in verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll make strong your paths. Trusting the Lord with all your heart doesn't mean half your heart, doesn't mean part of your heart, doesn't mean all your heart up to where it doesn't make sense, or all your heart up to where I didn't get results, i got to get some more help, i got to get some some people involved because God didn't come through. God did only half a job and not even that good of a job. Um, no, no. No, no. No, it's, it's not on God. It's on us. Philippians 4, 6 7 tells us what to do when we live in this world and we're being beat up a little bit. We need our peace. He says, don't be anxious, verses 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so that's a big chore for God to do, guarding your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and giving away his peace. His peace is an extraordinary peace. God's peace isn't ordinary. God's peace doesn't get disturbed when the bombs are falling. God's peace doesn't get disturbed when the hurricane is hitting. God's peace doesn't get disturbed when the forest fire is raging and the wind's whipping it. God's peace does not get disturbed. It's an inside job. Mm. As Christians, we've got to make a decision to let God be God. And we start living out the way that God created us as our new identity. In other words, embracing it, acknowledging it, believing it, talking it. In Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, it said, to put, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. You know, the way you used to be, hot-tempered, you know, um, checking out all the opposite sex, or, you know, maybe dabbling with the same sex. I mean, the sexual thing is such a, quagmire nowadays, you know, but just, you know, you have your carnal nature, you have <laughs> your appetites, your desires, your instincts. He said to put off your old self. And the putting it off, it's like when you take your clothes off at night when they're dirty. You take your clothes off, drop them on the floor, put them in the hamper, and they're going to get washed, they're going to get clean, right? And then in the morning after you take a shower and take your pajamas off and put your New clothes on, he put some different clothes on. So he says, to put off or take off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We don't have to strive to be righteous and perfect and holy. That's already built into the workmanship of our new creation species. And so what we need is to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Be renewed in the spirit of your thinkings, in the atmosphere of your mind. I'm a different creature. I'm not going to give my body what it wants. I'm not going to give my baser elements of my appetites and instincts what it wants. I'm going to give it what it needs. 
I'm going to conduct my life like God. Because the goal isn't to get to be like God, to work hard to be like God. Everything that God made wants to return back to God in one form or another. If it's a human, it wants to come back as a glorified human being. Everything God created wants to bring honor and glory to the Creator. Everything God's created in the human form that has been recreated after the fall of Adam by the resurrection of the last Adam with a new nature of righteousness and holiness, we don't have to work that up. We don't have to lather that up. Just be yourself. It says in John chapter 1, verse 12, about Jesus, to as many as believed on his name, to them gave he the power to become sons of God. Do we have to work hard to be sons of God? No, no. You've been given the power to become. You see, when an acorn drops to the ground, germinates in the ground, grows an oak tree up, that acorn had the power to become an oak tree. The oak tree just had to be presented the right environment inside that acorn to where it could decay on the outside and put down roots from the inside and grow up to be what the pattern was on the inside of it. The same with you and me. We don't have to strive for that. Adam and Eve got it wrong. They got it so wrong, it's lasted for 6,000 years plus. And Jesus is fixing it. He's bringing it all back to creation's origin. But in the meantime, we still got to live some life here in these last of the last days. We better live it well. If you want to hear well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. We don't want to hear undone. We want to hear well done. So, what are we going to do? Get out of God's way. I'm saying that politely now. Get out of his way. I said that politely. Get out of his way. Let him go to work and show you what he's got. His supernatural, miraculous power and presence will put both hands and all of his strength to the task. Do you not want to see that manifest in your life? Well, then learn, like the matadors in Spain, learn to get out of the way of the bull. I mean, you can look real pretty doing it, I don't care. But the end result is what we want to where the bull gets to be the bull. He doesn't get killed. The bull is God doing some bullish things, bowling over the devil's works, and laying out a path smooth and clear for his people to follow in and giving them the things that Jesus deserves that we don't even deserve, but he loves us so much, we're getting the more than conqueror's treat because Jesus was the conqueror, conqueror who did the conquering, but he decided to give it all to us in grace. And so that's some heavy lifting right there. I don't know. If you can go down the list in 45 minutes to list all the things that come to us by grace that we don't deserve, oh my gosh. And if you want to see even a 10% of that, get out of the way. Put your faith in God to do it and the expectation that it will be done and be done soon enough, soon in the right perfect timing and be done well, you know, with the God level of excellence. And so if I can put my confidence in that all happening, 
if I don't bug him and I don't get in his way, that is what I'm going to do. Stay out of God's way. And so should you. Thank you for tuning in. Love you guys. Till I see you next time, or talk to you next time, or you hear me next time, or I have a podcast for you later. Stay out of the way. God bless you all.